Episode 9 of Advancing Quality in Patient Safety. A Strong Patient Safety Culture's Effect on Reducing Patient Falls. That is our topic today as we sit down with Wendy Hewlett, the Chief Nurse Executive from Lincoln County Medical Center of Presbyterian Healthcare Services. Wendy talks with us about the tremendous success they have achieved with reducing patient falls and implementing the No One Walks Alone program. We learn a great deal from Wendy about how patient safety culture has formed at her hospital. She speaks with us about the structure of their leadership rounding, patient safety huddles, and post-fall debriefings. We learn from Wendy how this culture not only supports ongoing efforts to keep patients safe, but also facilitates staff and leadership to collaborate with one another every day. If you're interested in patient safety culture, you will definitely enjoy today's episode. Please stay with us. Welcome to Advancing Quality in Patient Safety, a podcast by the New Mexico Hospital Association. This podcast highlights member hospital efforts in the fields of quality and patient safety and features insights from clinical experts across our state. This podcast serves the purpose of facilitating shared learning and collaboration across NMHA member hospitals. All right, welcome everybody to the ninth episode in the podcast, Advancing Quality and Patient Safety, a podcast by the New Mexico Hospital Association. My name is Dan Lenari, the Director of Quality and Patient Safety for the New Mexico Hospital Association and your host for this podcast series. So we are very excited to bring you yet another episode of hearing from a, a leader in New Mexico and hearing about a successful project that's happened at a hospital in New Mexico. And uh, if you haven't caught our previous episodes, we uh, point you to those after you get done listening today. Uh, some of the more recent ones, episode seven, we interviewed Penny Beattie and Kathy Nicholson of Presbyterian Hospital, and they talked about <clears throat> handoffs from their emergency department to their inpatient units. And then also episode eight, we had Brandy Sable of Nora Lee Hospital District, and she talked about their Baldridge journey and most recently their uh, Zia Award uh, for their journey and their work in performance excellence. So we uh, point you to those episodes after you get done listening today and, and also other uh, previous episodes from members across New Mexico. So uh, before we get started today, I would like to disclose that today's podcast has been approved for nursing professional development, continuing nursing education. The New Mexico Hospital Association is an approved provider of nursing professional development continuing nursing education by the New Mexico Nurses Association CNE Accredited Approver Unit. So again, at the end of the year, a uh, great opportunity for New Mexico nurses. What you're able to do is you can, uh, you'll access a SurveyMonkey link that NMHA will send out, and you'll uh, check the boxes of the episodes that you listen to and give us feedback on those episodes, and you will get free nursing CEs for that. So I'm um, always excited to go uh, review that process with everybody and uh, very excited that we can continue to provide that for you all. So uh, today's presenter has no conflict of interest to disclose and today's presenter is um, a very great one that we are happy to have with us, uh, Wendy Hewlett from Lincoln County Medical Center in Rio Doso. She is the Chief Nursing Executive and Wendy's going to talk to us today about um, a project that they got recognized for in falls reduction. Uh, Lincoln County Medical Center got awarded the Quest for Excellence Award last year at NMHA's Quality Awards. 
the American Hospital Association uh, Center for Health Innovation took that case study and published it on their own website and shared it nationally. And so um, a lot of great work happening there in Lincoln County Medical Center. And we are very excited for Wendy uh, to join us this morning and share more about that project. So Wendy, good morning and thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Dan. I'm super excited to be here. Great. Uh, Wendy, let's start with um, a, bit of, a bit of your background. Uh, you're a, a chief nursing executive, but you, if you could just kind of give us a background of your, your career in nursing and, and then get into uh, how long you've been at Lincoln County Medical Center. Okay, great. So I've been a nurse for about uh, 14 years and um, did lots of work um, as a staff nurse in both inpatient and outpatient units. Um, I've been a chief nurse for about uh, five years, um, uh, and about almost three of those years have been with Lincoln County. So um, the three years in September that I've been with Lincoln County as their chief nurse. Great. All right, Wendy. So today we're talking uh, falls reduction and the work that you guys have have, uh, have led and accomplished there and your success. And so... Um, and for folks listening, we'll share the case study that I mentioned uh, from Lincoln County Medical Center and some resources associated to, to their work around this project. So Wendy, um, let's start with um, the process of selecting this as a particular project um, and, and um, maybe speak to uh, your, the falls or patient falls committee that was developed or kind of enhanced around this project. Mm -hmm. Sure. So when I came to Lincoln County Medical Center um, two and a half years ago, um, we had what would seem like to most people not very many falls because we're a small critical access facility, um, but it was a big number for the size of facility that we are. And so it was something that kind of was put on my radar right away. Um, there was a falls committee that was kind of meeting but didn't really have any um, structure to it. So they were getting together, they were talking about it, but there wasn't a whole lot of structure around what the committee was discussing or things that they were implementing. And so um, the, the choice to choose falls as something to focus on was super e easy because of, of what the data was showing. Um, and then really making a structure around that committee. What are we looking at? What are we doing wrong? What things are we doing right? And what things do we need to look at focusing on to make an improvement? So that's kind of how the, the committee really started to have a structured flow of the things that we were looking at. And so, um, <clears throat> of course, one of the biggest things is why are, why are we having so many falls? What's our, what's our response rate to the call lights? What are the things that we're doing? And so we had to really look at what are we doing now and what do we need to be doing Absolutely. going so, forward. So Wendy, who is, who's on the falls committee? So the falls committee is actually chaired by a charge nurse on our inpatient unit. Um, so you have your charge nurse, um, and then we had um, frontline staff. So um, big, most important people were our um, our techs, which are CNAs, but we call them techs at our facility. So our CNAs, and then um, our quality manager, and then myself. So um, really having um, someone from administration, uh, an executive leader who was part of that committee and showing the importance of this is a super important committee to have and it's important to not only the people within the unit but to us as, an, as a leadership team. 
Absolutely, very cool. So Wendy, I want to uh, talk a bit about leadership grounding. Um, and for folks that are engaged in the quality and patient safety work and all of the um, you know, content from the Institute for Healthcare Improvement and, and all the best practices out there within patient safety culture and quality improvement, everybody always uh, goes to leadership rounding as, as a really a key component of any, of any effort as far as maintaining safety culture and, and implementing and, and sustaining successes. So, um, you know, and on that note, I think uh, part of, of, of what we missed in your, in your introduction, Wendy, and, and your really deep understanding of safety culture and quality improvement. Wendy is just not only a, a chief nurse executive and, and credentialed as a nurse leader, but she's also a certified professional in healthcare quality and also obtaining, a, in process of obtaining a certification in patient safety. So I failed to mention that in, in, in your introduction, Wendy. So, um, but I, I, I think, um, I, we, we would really uh, like to gain some insight from the process of your leadership rounds and, and how sure. that played in your initial success and how that continues to play a role with um, fall prevention and other initiatives. Sure. So it's part the it's twofold. So you can't just do one type of rounding and expect that you're going to be able to meet the standard. So we, we did layers of rounding and, and to accomplish different things. So um, from my level, the executive leadership rounding that I do really is, it's just inherent to who I am. It's what I do. And so I round, um, I round on patients, but my big focus is rounding on staff. So when I'm rounding on staff, I'm saying, do you have all the tools that you need? And I round, I try to round daily. It doesn't always happen every single day. And I round in all of my nursing departments. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm chatting with the staff, hanging out in the department, looking at their flow. It's, it's a non-punitive thing. You go in there and you hang out. So your staff are very comfortable with having their executive leader be in the department. Um, how are things going? Do you have all the things that you need? What are your challenges? And really actively listening to those things that they're saying and acting on those things that you can act on um, to provide them with the tools that they need. I follow them sometimes into rooms. I help, I do help um, at times when they um, are having a challenge or if they need an extra set of hands. And because we're a smaller facility, I have the ability to be able to try to do some of those things. I actually work that into my schedule. I, I plan that so that I can make sure that I spend time at least three times a week, if not every day, um, in, in my nursing unit. Um, so I think that's a big part of it because the staff feel valued. They know that you understand what their hardships are. And so um, we know that staff are much more dedicated and will work harder um, to care, take better care of our patients when they feel valued within their department and as an employee. And so I think that's a big part of it. Not only that, you also give an example to your managers that the expectation is that you round. And so the second layer of rounding that we do is actually all the managers of the departments. And so all of my managers um, are assigned in different units so many patients to round on every day. 
and they go into not their own unit, but a different inpatient unit, and they round on those patients. And when they're rounding on those patients, they're asking the questions about falls. They're asking the patient, you know, do you know why you're wearing this different colored gown? You know, do you know why you have to wear your slip-resistant socks? Has the, um, we have a little um, agreement that they sign saying that they understand that they're at risk for falls and that they need to call the nurse or the tech when they're um, going to be getting up. Um, is the bed alarm on? So they're checking the logistics and then if they're not taking care of, they're taking care of it while they're in there, they're educating the patient or they're, they're doing in the moment um, reminders and teaching and training with the staff, hey, this patient didn't have their alarm on, um, the agreement wasn't signed, so that we can make sure that we're meeting all the standards so that we are making it as safe for our patients as we can. And is it a perfect system? No, but we do find that, hey, I mean, people aren't perfect. So sometimes people do forget, oh, I took the patient to the bathroom and put him back to bed, but I forgot to push the button to turn on the, the bed alarm. And so we're really watching to make sure that we have all those things. Is a trash can near the patient so they're not trying to get up to throw their trash away? Is their call light within reach so they're not getting up? All of those little basic things that sometimes we forget about just in the day-to-day -day work of the frontline staff. So a, a part of that, if I'm hearing that correctly, is, is, is it's just this constant, uh, constant awareness of, of what maybe uh, putting patients at risk and just fixing it right away. And then leaders are, are, are a part of that, correct? Exactly. Yeah, well, that's great. And what's been the, I, I'm curious uh, if you have any anecdotal uh, examples, um, you know, that is all, that is all the textbook stuff, as you know, in the world of quality and patient safety on what leaders are supposed to be doing and engaging in staff. And that's, that's what everybody strives for is exactly what you just described. Um, have you ever heard, have you got any feedback from nurses that maybe were new to your hospital and kind of walked in there and were like, oh my gosh, this is a totally different environment with, with this type of rounding? Has, has there been any kind of aha moments like that uh, to kind of reinforce what you're doing? Yes. There almost every time a new manager or a new um, inpatient staff person is hired, those comments happen. And as a matter of fact, when I first came and took my role as a chief nurse at Lincoln County, um, it was very hard um, for staff to adapt to because it wasn't something they were used to. They, they felt like in the beginning, like I was just in their face and their leaders were in their face and were checking their work or yeah. were checking their work to see what they're doing wrong. And it took probably a year of consistent doing it all the time, scheduling it into the calendar to make sure that we were doing it to ensure that staff, and, and as time went by, they realized this isn't just, I mean, are we checking things? Yeah, we are. But it's a non-punitive thing. It's, hey, we, you know, this is for patient safety. And as we went along and we saw that our, our falls were decreasing because we were focusing on some of these things, then they kind of got excited, like, okay, we've gone this many days, and then we would celebrate as we went along. And so it became a very positive thing. And so now it's just part of the routine. And they're very, I think, appreciative and grateful that they have different leaders that come into their department that, that look at things that remind them, hey, um, we need to make sure that we're doing this or we're doing that. And it's a very, it's just part of what we do now. It's just part of our culture. And so it's not 
it isn't odd anymore. But when new people come in, they often say, I'm not used to having, you know, a lot, a lot of people have never seen their chief nurse ever in their inpatient unit before, you know, bigger, especially if they come from a bigger hospital, it's a, it's an oddity to them to see leaders in their department and actually engaging with patients and staff. So it's been a very positive, but it's been a challenge to get to where we are now just because it's not the norm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, I would almost guarantee uh, that the patients can, that, that they notice that. I, I would just, I can imagine laying in a hospital bed in Lincoln County and just seeing this army of clinicians, everybody's working together <laughs> and, and taking yeah. and mitigating risks and making sure I'm safe. And, and I, I, patients feel that. And they, they see these they, these teams working together in that collaborative way. And I'm sure you've probably even gotten the same feedback from patients as far as how well people work together. Yes. That's very cool. Absolutely. We often hear about how, uh, from patients, about how grateful they were that someone came in and checked on, checked in on them every day. Because, you know, they don't, they don't separate uh, nurse from... Uh, tech from respiratory therapy but when we go in we introduce ourselves so that we are telling them we're part of the leadership team and so they actually feel like wow it wasn't it wasn't just my frontline staff and my provider that came in like there's actually people who are leaders who care about me and the care that I receive at this hospital absolutely very cool all right well let's let's uh, get back a little bit to the details of the fall prevention or fall reduction program itself and uh, multiple PDSA cycles that you guys uh, performed and probably continue to perform. Um, one of the things that you found was uh, some opportunities with fall risk screening. So can you give us a little detail about that, maybe particularly in the beginning of the project of what you saw uh, as opportunities with fall risk screening and what you changed? Sure. So one of the biggest discrepancies or concerns that we had about fall risk screening um, is so everyone in every facility, everybody does a fall risk screening for every patient that's admitted to the hospital. That's a very common thing that everyone does. But one thing that we were finding was there was a discrepancy between um, how people were screening the patient. Um, maybe some of them weren't including all the medications they were on and giving them uh, uh, the appropriate score because of that. Um, so there were things that were being missed, but a big thing that we saw was day shift was doing pretty good at doing a, their screenings appropriately, but we found that night shift was screening them differently. So we would have a patient on nights that would be screened and wouldn't necessarily be a fall risk. And then the next morning they would be screened and they would be screened as a, as a high fall risk. And so obviously consistency is what we want in order to keep our patients safe. And that's a pretty big difference um, between having a patient not be a fall risk on night shift and then being a huge fall risk on day shift. And so we went through and re-educated our staff. We um, talked about it in staff meetings. We did um, some other web-based trainings with them as well. We we talked about the importance of the fall risk screening and, and the appro how appropriate it was and how that affects whether we have a patient fall or we don't. So along with doing all the basic things that we do, when they're a fall risk, if you don't even have them as a fall risk, then you're not doing all the things you need to be doing in order to keep them safe. And so step one is make sure that we have them um, on the right scale and that they're the right 
whether they're a fall risk or not. And then we implement all the other things from there. And so that was a big thing that we did. And it took us several months in order to get there. It took some people some time to believe or really feel like that was something that was super important. And part of how we got people engaged was we started celebrating our decrease in falls and not having a fall right away. Like we went 30 days without a fall and we had a celebration because that's how we found our, our staff are very um, competitive and that's how we found we could motivate Mm-hmm. Our staff was to, wow, we've gone this much time. Let's have a celebration. Oh, wow, we've gone this much more time. Let's have another celebration. And they kind of got drive off of that and desire to, they didn't want to be the one that had the patient fall. <laughs> Great. Absolutely. That's cool stuff. You, um, you talked a little bit in your program about the your organization adopted the No One Walks Alone program. Could you educate us a little bit about that, Wendy, as far as its components and um, sure. and how that how that worked with your project? So, very basic components of the No One Walks Alone um, is really making sure that you have have educated your patient and that all of your safety mechanisms are in place. <clears throat> so, the first step is your patient is a fall risk, and they they sign a contract. It essentially has the information, you know, that you're a fall risk, this is why you're a fall risk, and they actually sign. We just have them laminated and they hang in the room so we can wipe them off for each patient. They sign that they've gotten the information, that they know they're a fall risk, that it's, you know, they need to call their nurse if they're going to be getting up, those types of things, and they sign. So they're signing a contract, and they can refuse it, and some do, but um, they're saying that they agree to follow um, the no one walks alone, that they'll call their nurse. We hang that in the room. And then other things that are part of that is, um, does the patient have um, the right colored gown? Um, We used to use teal gowns, now we use bright yellow gowns, but do they have our gown that we have designated as the falls gown? So are they wearing their yellow gown? Yes. Um, Is the patient's call light on? Yes. Does the patient have um, no slip socks on? Yes. Do we have a star on the door? indicating that this patient's a fall risk when, you, when you're going into the room. So anybody that goes in knows that this patient's a fall risk and what to look for. So have, are all those items done for this patient? And that's a lot of what, um, in our PDSA cycles, that was a lot of what we looked at. It wasn't just the process of making sure we respond to the call light and, and all of those things. It, it was, our, did we put everything in place in the beginning to make sure that we gave this patient the best chance of success to not fall and sustain an injury while in our hospital. So that was a big, that was a big, that's a big part of no one walks alone is do we have all the items needed? And then when my leaders round on those patients, those are the items that they're looking for when they're rounding. Does the patient have everything they need? Was the contract fine? And did we do what we were supposed to do on admission? Mm -hmm. Great. And I I would imagine that, um, some of that relates into the next question as far as um, post-fall debriefings. So when, when falls do happen, uh, can you talk us through the structure of those debriefings and, and who leads them and what's the content of, sure. of those debriefings? So the important part of um, a post-fall debriefing is that it happens immediately after the fall so that everybody involved is there and everybody has it fresh in their mind. So you don't wait till, you know, three days from now and everybody gets together and, and your manager runs it. That's not how it works. So our 
the charge nurse on the shift is the one that runs that meeting and they are structured. There's a form that that's filled out and turned into the manager. Um, but it really just goes over, did we have all of our safety mechanisms in place? Um, what things went, did we have in place that were positive, but what, where was our breakdown? What things went wrong? So it is non-punitive. You talk about it. You talk about what things went wrong and then you discuss what things in the future do we do differently? So for example, we had one patient who had SCDs on and we had a newer tech and they got the patient up to the bathroom and unhooked them from the SCD machine, but they left the SCDs wrapped around the patient's legs. And you know, there's tubing that comes off of those yeah. and the patient tripped. So she got the patient to the bathroom and the patient got up out of the bathroom by themselves and they tripped and fell. So that's a, a perfect example of what's our learning from this, that when we, we give patient up, we don't leave their SCDs wrapped around their ankles. We make sure that we take them off. So it's, it's learning and it's learning for everybody. I mean, some people, you know, she probably just didn't even think about it. She's like, I'm unhooking them from the machine and I'm going to take them to the bathroom. But what can we do differently in the future? And it's learning for everybody who's there on the shift. And then the manager brings them to the staff meetings and they talk about kind of what went on and what was learned from that debriefing. So it's really an in the moment, everybody talks about it um, and gets insight into what can we do better next time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that is the, 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 the key statement to what you just said there last. Uh, I've seen so many fall debriefings forms and I've participated in many and, and almost everybody does what went what went wrong, and some people do what went well, but very few do ask the question, what do we do differently to prevent this from happening again? And right. that, that kind of key question at the end of, of, of ending the meeting that way and then following up and doing that right away, like you, the example you just gave is really the, as you know, the best practice with those debriefings. So that's great stuff. Because we know that nobody wants a patient to fall. We know that that tech didn't do that on purpose in order for the patient to trip, but you know, also discussing it and finding out ways we can do it better next time is a great way to be able to move forward. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about uh, data. So I'm looking at some of the results that you guys submitted for this project and um, to no surprise the, the, the progress that you made and, and probably that you've made since. Uh, has been extraordinary. I see fall rates of uh, 4.2 per thousand patient days. Uh, that was decreased uh, to 0.99 per thousand patient days. Mm -hmm. So you guys made just tremendous project progress with the project. Um, talk to a little bit, little uh, to us about the that that metric itself and 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 how that sits for you guys but maybe also what other data did you use to, to drive improvement with this project well we know that um, most people like visual aids mm -hmm. you know we want to be able to see data in a easily understandable so the numbers are there, but the way that you display the numbers to staff in an easy way for them to see it and understand it when they're in the midst of a super busy day um, is a big part of what makes whatever your um, whatever improvement you're trying to make that helps make it successful. And so, I mean, we have a quality board that we have in the department, but it's kind of behind where all of the nurses sit. It wasn't in an area where we could really see it. And so, as we're collecting the data, we hung it up. 
Um, for a while, we did it weekly, and then we did it monthly as we continued. But we don't hang it on the quality board for the falls. We hung the falls data in front of where the nurses were sitting so that they could so that when they were charting and they looked up there it was when the techs were charting and they looked up there it was right there and so and we did it in an easy graph so that they could see and we made it big you know this is what percentage we're at we're meeting this percent or we've had this many falls so we provided it in a couple of different ways but we made it easy for them to understand and to see quickly throughout their day as they're moving forward in a, in a fashion that made it so that they didn't have to like go into the break room to see oh what is our falls today it was just right there um, and then we tracked one thing that we found we were we were tracking how many days since our last fall right because most people they like that number but our challenge was keeping that number updated every day to make sure that it was the right number and so we changed it to when was our last fall so the date of our last fall and we put that on our board so that we were showing the information um, in a way that if they wanted to calculate it they could and then we talked about it every day in our um, morning um, patient rounding huddle we talked we still do that we talk about how many days it's been since our last fall and when you know it took us a while to get it ingrained and it took us a while for that data to really mean something to the staff um, but it was really interesting when I realized that it was actually um, when it was hardwired mm -hmm. was when um, Joint Commission resources, so we're a Joint Commission facility and we have Joint Commission resources come in once a year and do a mock survey with us to see how we're meeting the standard for our survey. And when we really realized it was hardwired was when we had um, Joint Commission surveyor here. Um, our quality leaders from uh, Presbyterian were here because we were doing that survey. And we had a call light go off, and the surveyor was in the middle of talking to one of the staff, and they took off down the hall like it was a code blue. <laughs> wow. In the middle of the discussion, she was having a conversation <laughs> with them, and they totally took off in the middle of the conversation and went down, and she asked, Well, you guys having a code and they're like yeah. oh no that was the that was a, a bed alarm that just went off yeah. wow. and so they were that's when we went okay we've got this hardwired the staff feel like this is super important and at that time we had been about like like 160 days without a fall and so like I said as we we got to like 30 days and as we celebrated people then became more excited about okay we're celebrating this and this is an important thing and our our leaders are down here talking about it and they're showing interest and the data kind of drove itself because we were able to get them engaged because we as leaders felt that it was important and we showed that importance to our staff absolutely that's a great story so um, next question Wendy uh, and, um, you mentioned uh, daily patient safety huddles also as a strategy. Was that, was that kind of combined with leadership rounding or was that a separate kind of uh, huddle that happened or can you expand a little bit more about that? Sure. So huddle has kind of evolved over time. Um, we were doing, um, we were doing a, we were doing a safety huddle every day. Um, and in our safety huddle, we talk about 
stay since our last fall, Clabsy, Cotty. We talk about multiple different things, any things that could put our patients at risk that day, any patients on isolation, all of that stuff. And all the managers and all the executive leaders come to that meeting every single day. And so we're talking about what items do we need to work on. And then, but then we added another layer. Remember I talked before about how things kind of have to have some layers. So we added in, um, patient rounding huddle. So patient rounding huddle is run by the charge nurses in the um, departments. Mm -hmm. And we talk about each patient individually every day um, and what concerns are happening with that. And we do it in the department. And the really great thing about that is that if we have a concern with falls or any other item or things that we're seeing come up, you can talk about it in there with the staff at the moment that you're there. So we do that and we go over the patients and that facilitates our leaders when they go into round in the patient rooms. So you have um, early morning patient rounding huddle where you go over each patient. We say, are these people roundable? Yes, they are. The leaders go into the patient rooms. They do their, they check for falls. They check for a myriad of other things. We ask the, the, we check for, um, hourly rounding, we ask patients questions, and it's part of our patient satisfaction as well. And then a little while after that, then we have our safety huddle. And part of what we bring up in our safety huddle is, did we find anything when the leaders were rounding that we needed to talk about? Any concerns, anybody that's been recognized? And so it's kind of a a, a three-pronged thing where we're doing our huddle in the morning specific to patients, we're doing our rounding, and then we're bringing back any items at our safety huddle that we found. Mm -hmm. You know, we're seeing an increase in, in bed alarms not being on. We'll talk about that so we can make sure we address them in our safety huddle. Or, you know, several patients didn't have stars on their door, um, among other safety things mm -hmm. that would come up as well. Wow, okay. So that makes sense. So, and it's... Um the, the leaders lead eat that huddle, that, that the last huddle, is it leaders, yes. leaders and staff all together? Okay. Yep, leaders, leaders and staff come to that. Not everybody, usually um, the leaders and then maybe the charge nurses of the, of the units. And um, it's a brief like 10 minute meeting um, where we just, we have a template and we just go through, we, so that everybody knows what the census is in all the departments. We know how many OR cases are scheduled and then we go over the safety items as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's very neat. Yeah. So that's, um, like you said, that's a, that's a very layered approach and, and, um, uh, above and beyond a lot what, uh, you know, when they talk about leadership, uh, huddles or safety huddles, they just talk about, you know, doing a, a leadership huddle and then doing unit specific huddles, but you, mm -hmm. you input the leadership rounding and the patient rounding in between that and then end with the safety huddle. So that's, that's right. a neat thing. Um, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, very cool. So cool. Um, and, it, and they aren't, Dan, they aren't long. So mm -hmm. we all know that everybody's busy and yeah. they have tons of things. And we know that we do our, our patient rounding huddle at 8.30 in the morning. So we know that's a busy time for nursing staff when they're trying to pass meds. We keep it short, five to 10 minutes. Yeah. usually about five minutes. We don't go into depth on every patient. We give an overview of um, some things that we want to know, like our patients who are on isolation, uh, those kinds of things. Do we have any peds patients? Because we have peds and adults on the same unit. So we talk about the high level stuff. It's a quick meeting. And that's how we make it successful. Because none of these things take 
an extreme amount of time. They're short and sweet. You get the information you need, and then you disperse it out. Absolutely. Very cool. Uh, let's end with this question, Wendy. Um, anything that you that you learned from this project that you've been able to apply to another initiative or maybe something you've learned unexpectedly from this project? I think uh, what I learned unexpectedly, this is probably the most successful project that I've ever been a part of where staff were extremely engaged. And I really believe that the things I talked about earlier, having executive level leadership is extremely important in showing that this is an important thing to us. Um, and I think the way that you provide the information you have to your staff, you have to provide the information in an easy, easily understandable way to your frontline staff in, a, in an area that's easy for them to see. And I think those two things combined really are what made this so successful. You know, we're down there, we're talking about it, but we're not just delegating. You know, if I'm walking, I show that if I'm walking down the hall and a call light goes off, whether it's a call light or a bed alarm, I, I can answer that when I'm walking through. It's not just delegating and say, this is what you have to do and then walking away. There has to be engagement at some level. I'm not saying that every chief nurse should, you know, go change bedpans and stuff and spend their day doing that. I'm just saying you have to show your staff that you're engaged. So if you're in the department and a call light goes off, show that you're engaged in that in helping to make sure that we're being successful in the initiatives that we're rolling out. And I think those small things once in a while speak volumes to our staff and the importance of what they do every day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, congratulations, Wendy. This is all really great stuff. I think we we went into today's interview, um, of course, falls reduction being the topic, but I think that really the themes that came out today was the culture of safety and all of these pieces that your hospital uh, exemplifies and your leadership and staff are engaged with of leadership rounding, of uh, uh, patient safety huddles and, and all of that sort of thing and and I think um, those are all of course as you know the these best practices that are that everybody strives to to accomplish but I think it's it, it, it's something to be celebrated and something that we all can learn from is, is hearing your stories on, on how you guys are doing this every single day and so uh, just congratulations to you and, and your your hospital and leadership and staff and uh, on these efforts, and uh, I just want to thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. I really appreciate you letting me be a part of it. Of course. So, and thanks everybody for listening. Again, this is the the, the ninth episode of our podcast, and we are trucking along here for the rest of the year. We're hoping to get around twenty episodes. So we hope you stay with us and and learn uh, great stories from hospital leaders, just like you uh, learned today from Wendy. And uh, again, uh, please take advantage of that uh, professional development uh, nursing CE process, and we will catch everybody on the next episode. So have a great day. Thank you for listening to Advancing Quality in Patient Safety. Future episodes of this podcast can be heard at anchor.fm forward slash NMHA or Subscribe to the podcast using the Anchor app. Please visit NMHA's HIN newsletter for materials and resources related to this podcast.